you know, we're constantly meeting ourselves over and over again. Meaning when we're seeing the challenges that are in front of us, and if you're going through something that seems insurmountable, if you're facing another challenge that you've faced over and over again, I just want to let you know it's okay that you're not alone, that we continually meet ourselves over and over again through these challenges. And that is the re that to me, that reintroduction process of like, okay, this is happening again. Maybe I'm getting too triggered with my teen, or maybe I can't take that next step in my business. That is there for you to grow. Welcome to the Parent Teen Mindset Show with Forrest and Bo. Conscious conversations to help you take your teen from anxiety, depression, and low self-esteem to empowered and inspired so you can have less chaos and more connection in your life. It takes a village. And now, on to our show. All right, brother, we are live here. We are live. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for uh, tuning in to the Parent Teen Mindset Show with Forrest and Bo. And we have a very special guest. This is the 11th episode, by the way, of the podcast. And we're being listened to all around the world. We got people in Ireland. We got people, uh, you know, in uh, England. We got people in Australia. We got people in New York. We got people out there in Florida, California, uh, even the Philippines listening in right now. So Do we're we really? Stoked. Cool. Yeah, yeah. We're, 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 we, Dude, got audi- we got an audience that's going all over the place right now, and, um, and people are chiming in. So hey, I'm really excited to introduce you and have you as the star because you are the co-host of the show and oh, um, you're all, also a great, great friend of mine, personal friend of mine. And we got started when, you know, I, I was running a fitness boot camp out here in Oceanside, California. Our mutual friend, Ryan, what's up, Ryan, introduced us and um, we started yep. to talk. And you were really motivated on coming out of the Marines and changing lives with foster youth and with uh, corporate wellness and all the different things. And we talked and you ended up flying you know, Coach Anthony and I out to Florida. Uh, we spoke as keynote speakers at one of your uh, amazing transformative events for teens. It was so awesome. And uh, and then um, you've been able to keep that path the whole way, and you've been able to impact so many hundreds and probably thousands of people by now, Bo. So I'm excited to have you on today to interview you and really get your story and, and find out what we're doing today to impact lives and communities. So welcome. Thanks, man. Thanks. You know, it's it's cool because we're going to have to do this with you, right? Next week, you know, or the week after, we're going to have to do this with you. Or I'm going to have to interview you, and we're yeah. going to hear all about you because you brought all this together. And so uh, to all of our listeners, you know, I didn't realize that we're having people right now that are kind of listening to that. So that's pretty cool. And, you know, when you're in the nascent stages of development or when you're in the early stages of anything, anytime you get to see that kind of outreach, no matter how big or small, I think it's very important. And that kind of goes into kind of our story together. So thank you for the introduction. I mean, really, I reached out to you in, I think it was like 2014, 2014. And at the time, I was, I had two more years left in the Marine Corps. And I'd gotten back from all my deployments and I moved to Tampa, where I went to a duty station where I wasn't deploying back to back to back. Because from 2008 to 2011, I went on three combat deployments. Well, from 2008 to 2013, I went on like four deployments. And um, three of those were combat deployments and I was just wearing me out, you know, it was really wearing me out. And I wanted to come back into the community after all of those deployments and do something that served and gave back and specifically to teens that may have went through a very similar past as I did. Uh, Growing up, I got into some trouble. 
I landed in jail when I was like 19, 20 years old. And I realized very quickly that that was not the environment for me. And I started looking back, you know, once I became healthy, and we'll talk about how I was able to do that. Once I became mentally healthy and emotionally healthy, I started looking back at the timeline of my life and I was like, okay, who am I most suited to serve? And it was teens that may have gotten in trouble like me. that had a lot of love in their home. that had a lot of support, you know, but uh, they still went wayward. And that was me. You know, I had my mom, you know, my aunts, my uncles, my family. I just had so much love and support growing up that I didn't focus on those things, Forrest. I always focused on what I didn't have or I focused on the things that, um, you know, I thought I should have had. And that's what caused me to go wayward when I was a teen. I was very resentful. I was very destructive and I didn't have these tools and resources that we talk about all the time um, to move forward. And I did, I get, I did get taught a lot of this stuff, but I wasn't using them. You know what I mean? I wasn't being accountable to myself. So I got back from all those deployments and, you know, we saw a little bit of combat and I was like, this isn't really what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to come and make change here at home. And that's when I reached out to you. It's funny as I tell the stories, I, uh, I moved to Tampa and I'm going from foster home to foster home, teaching personal development, leadership, really healthy eating. And I was doing kind of like the group boot camp stuff that you were. I was level one certified in CrossFit. So I was just doing like some really cool group trainings, man, like I used to do with my Marines and teaching mindset. Yep. And uh, my brother was like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm taking these foster kids out. I'm doing this. And, you know, I'm spending a lot of money. And he goes, why don't you just start a nonprofit? And, you know, at the time I'm like a nonprofit. What does that do? <laughs> right. So I'm yeah. like. So um, we started a nonprofit. That's how it started, uh, Fit for Truth. And we wanted to teach these, these very resilient children, you know, these, these children that have been through the ringer. We wanted to teach them how to live their truth. And we did that through retreats and team building and mindset training, which obviously we were able to get the mindset training through you guys and Brian and Carrie, which was great. And we got really good at throwing events for a bunch of kids. We got really good at understanding the unique challenges that foster children face, especially when they age out, you know, with substance abuse issues, um, the dropout rate in, in high school being really high, like l less than three of them getting a college degree, despite having the resources that they need, you know, all of the different um, mental health challenges are a lot higher in that community because of what they've gone through. You know, you're less talking than 3%, about 3%. I just, I just want to highlight that yeah. for the listener. I mean, that is a really um, a sad statistic, less than 3% with a college degree of the aging out foster youth in Florida. Is that right? And across America right now. So and across this. America. Yeah. We know, I know for sure in Florida, they get, they get state college, you know, they get college paid for. And paid for. in some yeah. cases, yeah, paid for. And, you know, that's obviously we'll get into what we're doing, but that's a huge stat where it's like, man, they're getting resources, but we have to teach them how to manage those resources, how to manage themselves, yep. you know, and how to be healthy and productive young adults when a lot of the years that a lot of people get that, you know, from their parents, they're not getting it. They're bouncing around from foster home to foster home. Some are going in and out of jail. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So there's some, there's abuse going on, you know, there's um, homelessness occurring. There's a lot of unknown factors that increase the risk of them falling into some of these categories that we talked about with incarceration levels, with suicide, with uh, unhealthy uh, habits, and all the things that you know we're looking at to help them with, you know, that's a lot higher in this community. So that's where we wanted to start. That's who we helped. And when, in a couple of years, you know, we worked with about just over a thousand kids in the community, where we paired businesses up with these children to serve needs. You know, when you're talking about 
you know, pairing humans up, that's when we kind of got into the business that we're now. So we got really good at throwing events for foster kids. We were working with a bunch of foster homes and we took a step back and we were like, whoa, wait a minute. There's a much greater need across this wonderful state to connect more humans to causes that matter, not just the foster care community. We saw, you know, when we do the two day retreat, right, when we, when we put this thing out there, we start seeing a little bit of transformation, not only from the volunteers, but for the kids. But a lot of times these volunteers are getting almost more transformation than the kids because sometimes that's just kind of what they need to steer them right back into more of a healthy lifestyle and healthy habit, especially with high performing individuals, especially for individuals that understand uh, self-care and mental self-care. You know, when we put them through some of the workshops with the kids, we would get reminded and they would hit us up and be like, yo, that's what I needed. That was a boost. You know, thank you for the reminder. And we're like, wait a minute. There's really a, uh, a market there to really do that and connect humans on a much larger scale. Because when you're running a nonprofit, we had a very small operation. We ran it like a bunch of military guys and girls, you know, a bunch of veterans, and we ran it like a mission. We planned everything like a mission and we ran it. We were very, uh, very sustainable. We were very efficient, meaning we didn't need a big budget to do big stuff. By the so, way, like just, just being a witness, because I'm a – a civilian right <laughs> and i'm coming in yeah. and you guys are operating this teen event like a military operation i mean you guys are on the, <laughs> on walkie the back talkies on i the mean back end. Yeah, yeah. And, but it, i mean it's artistic on the front end because it's so beautiful and engaging and, and 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 transformative for the kids and all the people involved but on the back end you guys are so high in your professionalism and the way that you ran it i was really impressed man it was awesome yeah i mean that was the deal it's like we go into it and we state the problem Right. And this is for anybody, you know, that's doing team building events or anybody out in Florida. Like, that's how we run it. We, we, we look at the problem set. We say, look, OK, these are kids that need our help. How do we design workshops that can improve their mental well-being, improve your mental well-being and then give tools and strategies to do that consistently? And um, yeah, we state the problem. We look at the problem. We get the resources. We use the resources and we have fun doing it. Um, so that's what we did. You know, we, we turned a uh, we stopped doing the for profit stuff because we were very, uh, it was very structured and it didn't give us a lot of creativity and flexibility to do what we're doing today now at Connective Human. You mean so, the non, that's not the of, nonprofit stuff? We stopped the nonprofit and now we're right. doing the Connective we Human. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so we stopped that and now we're doing, you know, the Connective Human stuff where we do the team building events that give back like we just talked about. But you it's know, still, it still the, is the nonprofit stuff, really, because you're just taking other nonprofits. Now you're pairing them up with different companies and corporations. Right. right. So instead of us, our own individual nonprofit going after corporations, we were like, hey, wait a minute. Now we're just going to pair corporations with nonprofits all over the U.S. and do cool events that give back. So, again, that's where we opened up our mindset as well. And we were like, hey, there's this needs to happen on a more creative and collaborative basis for us. Like when we think about pairing up corporations with nonprofits, you think of the old structure of like sponsorships and doing things like that. No, there's. There's a resource sharing model that's mutually beneficial for the corporation and the nonprofit at the same time. You know, all we have to do is get them talking and paired up. And there's just so much synergy there that we've seen in our community, like pairing up a big corporation with somebody that does job placement programs and using that as a feeder into the corporation. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, using media and using public release uh, mechanisms to bring more awareness for what they're doing. You know, there's just such a increased need for that i think on the ground level and that's what we focus on and that's why you know everything we like to do gives back so that's what that's what we got into i got out of the marine corps uh now we're doing the connective human thing and it's been a blessing man it's been 
for people like yourself that have shown up over the years and helped us, you know, and all of our community partners that we work with. It's been such a blessing. And when you start seeing real change occur within children and within communities and, and corporations, it's pretty something special, man. That is really cool, man. That is really cool. So um, what do you feel, you know, for the listener right now, the parent right now? I mean, you're, you're going into these um, those workshops, working with a lot of teens. What do the teens need right now? Well, ones that we're focusing on are the aging out youth, right? Or maybe some that have been in trouble. And yeah. the biggest thing, you know, Matt, Matt hit it on the head. One, they need a safe space. Yeah. You know, it starts with the safe space. And but it starts with collaborators and community engagement leaders like, you know, Eric and Christina are watching right now. Hi, Eric and Christina with Loving Our Kids 365. They create a safe environment to work with kids and they help the people that they bring resources to bear for foster families and parents. So what I'm saying is it starts with having a safe space. But what they need right now is somebody that's going to show up consistently for us and be there for them consistently over a long period of time. They need consistent support. Right. And they need mentorship on the things that matter most, which is mindset and emotional intelligence and physical well-being. That's what they need consistently. So they these resources that they're getting, you know, the, the money for college that they're getting can be used appropriately. You know, the the different money that they get just for living expenses and all the programs that they go through, that they can maximize the resources and benefits to the most. And I think what they need the most is that support group and a loving environment. And somebody that's going to hold them accountable. Like a lot of times, you know, they just get handed stuff and people leave. They're like, oh, you're a foster kid. Here, here's this. Oh, you know what I mean? Like uh, they get tons of stuff for Christmas or their birthdays and then people just leave and they're still stuck with the same type of internal environment, external environment. So we really, what they need is to understand that they can start to rewrite the story, but they need accountability and a consistency. And it's a mixture between being there for them and supportive, but a little bit of tough love and saying, look, you know, this is what you have to do. This short break comes from our sponsor. You, that's right. You are the reason our show exists. Thank you. Please head over to parentteenmindsetshow.com and become a patron of the show. It takes a village with your monthly contribution. You help us support more parents and teens. We appreciate you big time. And now, back to our show. That's awesome. You talked about safe space, consistency, mentorship, support group, accountability, even some tough love thrown in there. A lot of it seems like it just comes down to relationships, which is probably something that these kids haven't had is a relationship that has all those things inside of it. And that relationship can come from a lot of different places. It could be from mentors, a supportive community. But, you know, a lot of these kids are, are have the cards stacked against them. In which ways have you seen youth at risk, foster kids with cards stacked against them, Bo? Man, I mean, you name it. A lot of the times they don't even – I'd say one that really is hard to watch is when they, when they break up the siblings. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, when yeah. this – like – I was so fortunate, you know, uh, my, my aunt and uncle took care of us for a little bit and my sister and I were able to stay together through some of the challenges we had. And I've seen some of these kids get split up and then see each other like at events, like literally we had an event where siblings, this was, this was nuts. We had siblings that haven't seen each other in a few months and we brought them together at the event and they're like crying there, man, it was such an emotional experience when I saw that. I was like, Oh no, you know, and you know, what's funny is they had different last names, so I couldn't pick up on it. 
and um, they had different last names, but they showed up at the event and they were there together. And so you're talking about kids that, have, that were going through something very traumatic. And then at the end of the day, you split them up too, you know, and I think, you know, they, there's a lot of really good agencies that really focus on making sure that siblings stay together. The Sheriff's Youth Ranch out of Safety Harbor, they do stuff uh, with siblings to make sure that siblings are together. And we love working with them uh, and doing programs with them. But that was pretty tough. So that's number one. You're already being taken from your home. You're a young child or you're a teen, right? And that's a form of grief as we went through with one of our other guests, yeah, right? They, yeah. that, that automatically puts them in the grieving process where they just went through a traumatic experience. So um, that's yeah. one of them. Uh, and then they uh, get separated. Bo was Bo's referring to episode two. So go back into the podcast. Listen to the episode with Elta right. Am Ampadu. She talks all about grief. You got to listen right. to that episode if you haven't heard that one yet. Yeah. Yes. And Elta does a great job of breaking down that, hey, grief can happen in a million different ways. It's not just losing somebody. It's a drastic change in circumstance. You know what I mean? It's it's not only that, but like for these kids instance, in this specific topic, it's, you know, when they're removed and that's pretty hard. You know, because then you got to relearn and you got to build new relationships with people you don't trust. You know, you got to go to an environment where you're sleeping and you lay your head down at night and nothing looks familiar. And you don't know when your parents going to come back. If you're young, you don't have a cell phone. You're not in communication with anybody. And you're sitting there sharing at yourself at night and you're looking up at night and you're like, what just happened? You don't feel good about yourself. You feel like it's your fault. You know, when you're taken from your home and you're away from your mom or your dad, you feel like everything's hopeless. You don't even, sometimes you don't even feel like getting out of bed and being there. You know, I'm telling you because I've lived through some of it. And um, luckily it was a brief history for me, but I just remember those feelings very, very distinctly. And then not being able to get a hold of your parent and not being able to communicate with anybody, that is a very hard one. So when you're talking about isolation, you know, when even when a lot of things are going on around you, you still feel isolated. Sometimes they're going to new schools then you're going to a new school with a lack of clothes, with a lack of stuff uh, that you didn't used to have. So now you don't even have like the, the same clothes that you used to have because they may have not gone with you. You know what I mean? Then you don't have any friends. Like you, there's just so many things that change from a social dynamic, right? As a teenager, when you go through that, it's just very difficult. You know, it's very difficult. So those are some of the challenges that create these subconscious narratives like, oh, I'm not enough. And oh my gosh, I've had a lack of resources for the last three years of my life and now I'm stuck in a foster home. So then you have an issue with resources and abundance. When we're full of abundance as human beings, we're beautiful, amazing, wonderful beings here that can create. We can create, especially in America. You know, It's not that way for, for everyone and I understand that, but for a, for a good majority of people in this world, they have the ability to create inside of this country. You know, Coming from a background where I came from, I can attest to that. So, but they're lacking that, you know, because they only see what they don't have. And that gets reinforced everywhere they go for us. It gets reinforced everywhere they go. Well, I don't have my friends anymore. I don't have my sibling anymore. I don't have my mom anymore. I can't just go eat where I want to eat. I got to be inside this foster home or I got to be here. You know, those are the those are the things that a lot of people don't see. And then you got the holidays that come around and people show up and they shower them with this stuff and then they bounce. Oh, this community service project. Here you go. Then they get labeled a foster kid. Then they start getting labeled, oh, well, this is just who I am. You know, I've been told this for years. So I'm just to the label. Kid. You live into the yes. label, and that becomes your self-fulfilling prophecy because you keep stepping into your belief structure, and it just reinforces it. And, you know, you think about, you know, 20% uh, of Americans are born into poverty, 
right? And that's a huge percent of Americans. And think about yep. all those 20%, how many of those are ending up in divorced homes, broken homes, maybe, you know, just growing up with the mom, you know, um, without, without a father figure or male role model. Um, how important do you think it is? Because I grew up with a stepdad. I was lucky. You know, I didn't have a dad until I was four years old, and my stepdad came in and, and really became that male role model. I don't know what yeah. I would have done without that. Um, what have you seen with, you know, some of the teens without that male role model in their life? Oh man, it's, you know, they're all, it's all different. Right. And you know, we got to give it up to the moms too, that are doing the thing. Like my mom, yeah. you know, there's a lot of single moms out there. So if you guys are hearing this and the team mindset show, thank you so much for what you guys do. Um, but as far as what they go through, you know, I didn't have my father, in my life until I was in my twenties, you know, I had an uncle fill in the gap for me and he's my, he's like my dad too. But, um, what they're going through without a male father figure is just a lot of, you know, what I saw the most, really, some of it was like a lack of discipline, yeah. personally, is what I saw. Um, I saw issues with uh, women not having nurturing relationships, meaning a healthy father not teaching a son how to have a nurturing relationship with themselves, mm. so they can have one with women. You know, and that's something that I had to struggle through, is really getting better internally with myself, so I could have more nurturing relationships with women. You know, and that was one thing a father never did teach me how to do. Father didn't teach me how to show emotion when it was needed. You know, a father didn't teach me how to turn it off and on, like when to be focused, when to be goofy, like different things that as men, like we're, we should be allowed, dude, to like be funny and goofy and serious and all those things at once without worrying about, am I being tough enough? Right. That's what I'm trying to get at. Am I right. being tough enough? I'm, do I need to be this macho guy? And then you put on this persona without a dad that you're tougher than you really are mm -hmm. and you're not really being your authentic self. And that's, more, you know, and those are all the things that I had to go through is really, and we, you know, we actually talk about this a lot is uh, divine masculinity. Mm -hmm. How do you strip the boyhood from your essence? Mm -hmm. So, you know what I mean? Is how do you take that boyhood away? Meaning, how do you stop being so immature? How do you stop um, being so confrontational? How do you stop being so judgmental? Oh, How do you yeah. stop doing all the? We learn all those in boyhood, bro. Right. Those are little boy. Those are boy behaviors. We learn all that, you know. Yeah. When when you when you're when you're when you're operating out of out of a mindset of lack and scarcity, when you're operating out of judgment, when you're operating out of these things, that's all the stuff that we learned during boyhood that we need to strip from our essence as men today, and we need to show that. So a lot of these kids, they don't have that. They're tough guys. And they're like this and they're like that. They're not really being their true selves because they don't even know who that is. You know, and without a father yeah. figure, that's a so, dad. Somebody, that somebody, that. yeah, man, I, I totally agree. You know, somebody shared with me uh, like a, a picture of a class picture of all of us in seventh grade, right? And they shared it to Facebook and I saw my, my flaming red hair in this picture, right? And I'm like, oh my God, this is embarrassing. But I was just thinking about like, like I was a smaller kid and then there was like the kids that were 13 years old that were already like grown up men that were standing in the back. All these kids, I, I'm thinking about like these kids with mustaches and goatees at age 13 and 14 and they're living, they were chest out, having to be tough and being these young men having to kind of put on this persona at a very, very early age and thinking and, and I had to live into that, too, and try to, like, keep up with these guys. Right. Um, so, you know, for yep. all these young men and boys, you have to really grow up fast and you got to you got to be quick on your uh, the way you think. You know, uh, kids are capping on you. Kids are bullying you. You know, you got to be able yep. to, like, cover your bases and you create this shield around you, this tough guy shield. And then at some point you got to kind of like learn how to see through that tough guy shield and peel back the layers. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, not to have a, 
a solid male role model to do that and show you that, you know, it's tough. And I've seen that, you know, but yeah. you also got to remember a lot of the environments um, that a lot of us, well, really a lot of the kids that we work with specifically, what they grow up in, you know, they kind of have to put on that tough exterior because that's, they're surviving. And, mm -hmm. you know, really being able to kind of help them with that is a big deal. And I really think at the end of the day, though, um, it can go two ways. Like for me, not having my father in my life for most of my life, it really made me want to be a much better father. So there's a, there are a bunch of dads out there now that are listening. I want to tell you, thank you for being a wonderful dad, even though you, you weren't shown that by your actual father, even though other men showed you. But it's different. You know, when you really have a dad, your, real, your dad there, you know, it's just different. Yeah. So I think that's that's a big one. It really made me want to be a better father for my son and really sit down and do the very best I can to show up and be there no matter what. So that's what that did for me. Very cool. Um, very cool. I just want to say, if yeah. you're watching this live right now, go ahead and hit that share button. Tag a couple friends that need to uh, see this message. If you're listening to the recorded version of the podcast, thank you so much for listening. Please go to ParentingMindsetShow.com to learn more. Um, Bo, yeah, this is yeah. really interesting, man. Yeah, thank you for the insight on the father figure stuff and also sharing about some of your personal feelings and overcoming that within your own yeah. life. Um, so where does that leave us today? What do you want to do with Connective Human and where do you see yourself going? Because like you said, like you found out that the volunteers had this huge transformation themselves and you're like, wow, there really is something here. And now finding that you can pair up these companies and corporations, bring in a team building thing. Cause a lot of these companies have low morale. They're, they're kind of like dragging their feet because there's a lack of trust issues among the different employees and upper management right. maybe doesn't want to deal with it or even think about it because they got things to do. <laughs> they got timelines and deadlines and they're trying to produce. So, you know, yeah. how do how do you how does the how do these team buildings create more trust in the workforce to create more productivity and then also more trust in the community to tie the community back into the company and corporation? How does that all work? Yeah, I mean, so it really starts out with really the philosophy of really just understanding that uh, as humans first, in order to create trust, we have to create trust within ourselves. Okay, in order to create more uh, compassion and tolerance, or tolerance, excuse me, we have to create that within ourselves. We understand that. There's no way that we can build trust if we don't trust ourselves on a, on a certain fundamental level. So that's Truth. number one for us is when we talk about connective human is we're connecting humans to themselves first. In other words, we're creating a relationship with a corporation. We're saying, look, what exactly do you need? How can we facilitate this for you? But here's our philosophy on that. Meaning everything that we do is going to allow you to connect with yourself on a deeper level as an individual, but collectively as an organization, not only you're going to be able to connect with yourself through these, through this philosophy that we're talking about of, Hey, we need to work with the employees on this. When we go to this team building event, we're going to reinforce that trust starts from within with your leaders so they can create trust without, you know, so we focus on that and we say, hey, which leaders in your organization need that? What level of management do we need to build more trust into your work design? And we talk about work design. We're talking about roles, responsibilities and tasks within the organization to create the revenue or the impact that you want. Right. And we know trust is a big deal. So we talk about these things for us in the process of creating relationships with these corporations. And then we design the entire event around those fundamental principles that they want. If it's more trust, it's more effective communication, right? If it's more tolerance, if it's more inclusion, if it's more resiliency, we literally design the entire event around it. But we do that by saying, okay, cool, we can input this into your work design. But what nonprofit do you care about? Like what demographic in the community do you want to serve? 
when you know when your corporation was founded, when you guys are moving forward, where you're going now, who do you want to serve? And then we make that contact, and then we create an event around it. You know, and what we see through that is when we see effective communication and we see more trust, it's through service, man. It's through service. It's for them. And we talk about this all the time is we can talk about this in a boardroom and we can I can facilitate this for you in a boardroom. Easy. But when, what is that going to do? Let's go use it. OK, yeah. well, you want to build more trust in your team. Let's create something where we have to trust each other. Maybe you get minimal information. Maybe we, we create an event for you where you don't get a whole lot of info. We pick you up and we drop you off. We give you a scheme of maneuver like the military and you execute the plan, but you're serving a need at the same time. You want to realize trust and who trusts who. I mean, those are the type of things that we do. That's man. awesome. I, that I like do. that. Yeah, that, that reminds me of my martial arts days, man. Our martial arts instructor used to pick us up from the dojo, drive us out into God knows where, drop us off, and have us do this training environment where we didn't know where we were. We didn't know what we were supposed to do. We, just, we were just sparring yeah. in the woods all of a sudden, you know? And, and that, yeah, there's, something, there's something to be said for that because the, the surprise, the engagement, people coming together. Uh, I really like that, Bo. That's really cool. Well, dude, well, think about that. Like, that's how you create a connectivity mechanism, right? Where you get more connection because you're sitting there and you, may, you might have mental information, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're going to serve someone in need. And so it's really, it's mission oriented, it's task oriented, but that's how you implement trust and communication in your work design. You do something, you do something that's a little bit different outside of what you're doing and you get someone to facilitate that. You know, and that's what we mean by that, man. It's like, hey, we can't just do it here inside the office. We, you know, this for us. We have to experience it and get reps. Yeah. We've got to get repetitions doing it. You know, right. we've got to get repetitions so we can reinforce that into our own selves. But remember, as the individual goes, the organization goes, right, on a collective manner. So when you're looking at that from a holistic perspective, we have to get the individual human doing these for themselves but in collaboration what it does is it starts building out this like sphere of influence and energy where everybody's working together and doing it and that's really the unique way when you're talking about how do you build that that's our unique approach to it you know and we yeah we do that yeah thank you for explaining that that was really informative you know what what do you think about the companies that aren't getting on this map bandwagon because you know team building is huge uh, corporate wellness is huge uh, trust. I mean, there's a book, Stephen Covey, uh, it's called The Speed of Trust, where it shows the relationship between trust and profitability. So that's huge. Right. Um, you know, what would you say are the big problems if companies don't get on the bandwagon? They keep on trying to squeeze blood from a stone from all their different, you know, individuals of the corporation and just kind of using fear-based tactics to motivate. And I, you know, and, and I'm not trying to like throw any kind of companies under the bus, but People need to get on the bandwagon, man, and get with the wellness. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they do, they do, and we're, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of studies across the board where corporate wellness programs do work, you know, and I think you have two returns on of investment there, right? You have some of the soft skills uh, that we work on that have a return of them, that have a decent ROI with it, and then you have like d disease prevention has a really high ROI as well. So when you're talking about that, they need to get on the bandwagon on either on either point. Right. Either you come with us when it's like life skills and ROI and soft skills, which have a certain ROI. Yep. Right. And there's studies out there. And then there's disease prevention, which a lot of the stuff that you guys used to do with the fitness boot camps and teaching people how to eat healthy. Right. So we also offer that as well. Like that's something you and I partner up with. It's easy. We you bring a customized plan and people start getting more healthy. They're not obese. Yep. So it's like, I mean, when you think about that, there's two different ROIs and really it's about your human capital. And the way forward, really, the way 
way forward is to incorporate wellness into your overall work design like we were saying. Meaning if you want to overhaul on wellness, get, get the right assessments in place, understand where your people are at physically, mentally, and if you're into it spiritually, right? Get that in place, get a baseline, and you're looking at imp implementing some of these wellness strategies drops, you know, their healthcare cost over a period of time, right? Because yeah. you have, and it helps with employee turnover, yeah. you know, it helps with employee stress. And we already know what stress does to the body Less cumulatively over a long period of time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nine out of every 11 people in the hospital right now are there due to stress-related illness. And it, just, and, and it just goes from not taking care of yourself. And when we're pushing the employees to perform, perform, perform without that recharge and that reboot, that can that could be disastrous for the individual and the company down the road you know for the long term it's not sustainable in other words you know no because that that goes uphill too because then now your mid-level managers right now they're dealing with it and then they they're having to they're having to augment their workload with it you know and at the end of the day you know th this this world's built for us to share and to be here for one another and to support one another on a um on it not on just an exterior exterior level right and on a monetary value but on a very fundamental level for us to have more communal togetherness and support like you know we're social beings we're built to be that way and we don't when we don't let our human workforce and capital do that outside of the outside of the confinements of now their homes you know if we can't get them out there and do that all the stats are going to stay the same depression rates are going to remain where they're at obesity rates are going to remain where they're at Your stress levels are going to remain where they're at and over time, as you know, that's just not that's not a healthy way to do things. So I would say really any business that's considering it, uh, they're probably considering it because they're experiencing some turnover and they're experiencing some managerial challenges. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, again, not there's not a one size fits all for this stuff, but at least you're giving these wonderful humans that are working for you the ability to experience growth on a different level. And when we're talking about putting in wellness into your work design, that's I think that's the new way forward. I really do. That's really cool. How many corporations and companies do you think are not use, utilizing their full capacity of like a wellness culture, for example? Like, you know, how many verse, how many are using wellness as a as a integral part of their culture, and what percentage do you think are not using any wellness really uh, as their as their culture? I'm not sure if you've gone into the stats on that, or or if you have just kind no, of a round, roundabout guess on that. So I don't have a really good metric on that as far as like corporate America. I know there's some really cool studies out um, that, that kind of hit on that. One of them that I read was, um, you know, they did a study of CEOs and executives that already had like a uh, growth oriented mindset mm. inside of their organization when the pandemic hit. Oh, yeah. The ones that already had that within the organization, meaning when we, we don't when a pandemic hits, which organizations were prepared and, and managed through it and even made money, more money off of it, or didn't really have to lay off a lot of people, they were already operating with the growth mindset, man. They were already operating that way. What I mean a growth mindset is where you were able to see growth and opportunities during moments of restriction, you know? And when executives were already thinking that way, when executives were already in that mindset with that, it was much easier for them to innovate and do the things that they needed to do. And out of the executives that, that were studied and the ones that actually implemented it, they saw growth. And I thought that was very, very telling. And I was like, wow, that's really cool because, you know, it's like we always teach is these things are really, really helpful when things aren't going, when things are going well. But it's even more helpful whenever, you know, suddenly your entire operating environment changes and it adjusts. 
and they're ready for it. So I thought that was pretty impactful. That was a pretty impactful study. Yeah, I mean, you see these uh, gigantic companies you know, rise and fall. You know, Blockbuster Video, Kodak, Sears, Toys R Us. You know, and these 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 uh, this change in the economy. You know, um, I think that you know people need to, like you said, innovate and have innovation as a part of their company culture. And you do that through having that baseline growth mindset. And that's what you guys really, really do too. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Bo. Yeah, is man. there any, is there any companies that you look at and go, wow, that company is an example of, of a company that is utilizing that kind of company culture already, like Apple or Starbucks yeah. or any of those big companies? Would you, would you, yeah, a lot of those big companies are doing a really good job, you know, and they, they already have a thrive mindset. Yeah. You know, and they already have that. Uh, a lot of the big companies are already using it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the tech companies that we see in the industry, they're doing a lot of really good work there, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's really good. And I think, you know, when we're talking about elevating our human capital, right? And to, you know, when we elevate our human capital, it allows us to kind of go into something and reinvent what we're doing and adjust a little bit to do that. And that's what I'm saying. If we're not elevating our human capital, if we're not looking at how we can do that from a work design perspective, I think we're going to continue to run into some of these issues. But I think a lot of the startup companies are doing it. I think a lot of, or a lot of the tech companies that we see out here, they're doing it. And, you know, we see a lot of the companies that were at the uh, Snapsys Summit out here in Tampa, they already had some form of wellness integrated into it. And I think that's good. I think that's a good start, you know, yeah. but I think it needs to be a holistic approach, man, not just inside the company, do it to the community and serve and give back to the community and serve that back to the community, yeah. you know, and like the model that we have is like, look, everything that you do with us, if you do a team building event with us, we're donating this growth mindset service to a nonprofit that needs it. In other words, if a nonprofit's working with abused women, we're working with their executives on a growth mindset strategy so they can grow inside the organization. Wow. That's really what, another reason why we're in it, man. Yeah. We're in it. So like, hey, it's not just, yes, we need to eat and we want to get paid, but to facilitate this event for you because we're an event company part of it. But there's another part of it where it's like, hey, we're giving this wellness back as well. You know, we're, we want this nonprofit to be able to continue to grow and serve some of our most vulnerable populations. And when we start looking at wellness from that standpoint, think about this though. Think about big corporations going into the community and providing wellness into the community with models that are already built. Maybe not even us, maybe someone else that's doing the same thing. Mm. You know, maybe there's another wellness company that goes in and does that. But that's how we take internal wellness within a corporation and take it externally into the environment. And that's what we're about, man. Because really, yeah. we want the entire community to get healthy. That's you know powerful, I mean? man. That's that's awesome, dude. That's really awesome. Hey, um, I'm a mid-level manager, upper-level management, right? Walk me through the yeah. process. You're setting me up. You know, you're setting me and my team up to go and meet with a nonprofit. Maybe they're working with homeless people, maybe foster kids, maybe, uh, you know, abused uh, domestic violence uh, women. Whatever it is, you're pairing me up, right? You're taking care of all that. You're taking care of the event. Right. You're taking care of the media team. But walk me through the process. Like, what am I going to experience in this event like what do you guys do yeah so when someone reaches out to us to do it it's very simple right we sit down with them uh especially if it's like a warm lead like an inbound lead and they already kind of know us and like hey we want to do an event what do you have so we, we just sit down with them just like this for us and it's like okay cool so who do you want to serve mm -hmm. uh let me first tell you and we run through a good presentation where it's like look you're in tampa bay there's going to be over 220 kids removed from their homes in the next month and the try you know in Pinellas, Pasco and Hillsborough County. Mm. You know, out of these kids, 
then they're going to be left with pretty much nothing, maybe a trash bag to their name. We have an events that can help them. Wow. There's thousands of kids that don't have birthdays this month that are that are around the uh, in the in our tri county area as well. We can do a birthday in a box form. So what we do is we break out stats for us. So it's like, hey, here are the stats, right? Here are the pediatric cancer stats right now in your backyard. Yeah. We have events for them as well, and we say, look. Out of these stats, is this something that you want to serve and give back to? Because we have this ready to go that you can help right now. If it's not, then we say, okay, cool. Who is it that you want to work with? They tell us. We go. We look at all the stats. We look at. We frame the entire problem because we don't know. For us, again, if it's team building that serves a need, we have to understand what the need is intrinsically. So first, we get the stats. When we understand the stats and we understand the problem from our perspective, we call nonprofits that really know what's going on. Right. And we start to the nonprofits. We say, OK, cool. So this is what's going on inside of your work design. What do you need help with? So if you're telling me that you don't have enough bags to give to kids that are removed from their homes. Cool. I can do I can design an event around it. That's creating wellness around work design for the for the nonprofit partner and for the for profit partner who's like, yo, my team just wants to give back. And we're like, cool, let's go. So we create an event. We understand the stats and the problems. We contact the nonprofit. And then we say, hey, what are you really having a problem with? Give me your laundry list. Give me everything that you're having a problem with. We figure that out. We go back to you, Forrest, and we say, look, there's two nonprofits right now that are working with kids. They could really use X, Y, and Z. Not only that, but I think their executives are a little bit stressed out. Let's do two growth mindset seminars with you guys. Since you guys are paying for it, I'll facilitate it so you guys are both getting it. Now we're, we're helping kids in need. Now we're making sure these nonprofit executives are getting the mental and emotional support that they need through a training program that makes sense. Then we execute the event with you where we go out and execute the team building event. We put media around it. We put press around it. And then we go from there. So it's we take a full approach to this, man. You That's know what I mean? Awesome. Like we're look, we're serving on multiple levels at the same time. Super you know, comprehensive. And, yeah, yeah. It's super yeah, well, Give me an example of like uh, some of the murals and the nonprofits that you've worked with. Uh, like, tell me about that. Yeah, so the last one we just did was at the Emergency Care Help Organization. And during the pandemic, they had worked with uh, tens of thousands of families. They kept their doors open and they were able to provide food, clothing, and vocational and educational resources to residents in Hillsborough County during the pandemic. So they wanted a mural on the side of their building that said where opportunity takes flight because that's what they do. They provide opportunities to persons in need. Uh, we had a corporation that wanted to work with us. We talked with their engagement outreach team and we said, hey, look, we have a story that needs to be told, but every, you know, it's a mural event where you'll get to come and you'll get to paint this beautiful mural that tells their story. So when everybody drives by in Brandon, go check them out. You'll be able to see that awesome mural that we created where opportunity takes flight. Now, the benefits for the corporation where we were able to get uh, Fox 13 uh, news for them. They were able to get on the news. We did uh, videos before the event, videos during the event, and a highlight video after the event. So we had about five different services in one. We had press. We had video. We had photo. We had team building. And then we went in and we actually served the nonprofit in need. And that's going to allow us now in May is to do a growth mindset conference with the nonprofit in May. That's so that's awesome. really the whole thing right that's there. That's cool. So, what, what do you see like when people are, are, are painting this mural? Like what are some of the emotions that are coming out? And are people like smiling, hu hi hu high-fiving, hugging? I know pe no, people are in a pandemic, people so they got to give the elbows, right? Uh, but yeah, how's nah, that going? I mean, out here, man, uh, it's fun. Like people will drive by and like, we had a lot of people stop and be like, yo, what is that? That's dope, man. Yeah. Get, yo, that's a cool mural. Like people stop and be like, what are you guys doing out here? Right. You know, because so for so long people weren't doing anything. 
you know, and no one was really getting together. And now that everything's opening back up, there's a lot of excitement around being able to go outside and do something creative. And, you know, a lot of these painting events, especially when we work with kids, you know, we call it from trauma to creativity, from trauma to creativity, because we know that utilizing our creative muscles and, and understanding how to use creativity, that can start to heal some of the trauma that we have. And that's a really cool one that we do for us that, um, you know, I think some of the stuff that we've been planning out in Cali, I think that would be really cool that from trauma to creativity, especially working with some of these uh, very at risk teens, you know, yeah. is turning their trauma into a creative um, mechanism mm -hmm. so they can have a way to where they can live or have a healthy outlet, really. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, we need to show them how to have a healthy outlet. So that's what these painting events for us on a much deeper level for us is working with these really vulnerable kids and saying, hey, if it's not painting, what is it? Let me help you find that. And the corporation is allowing us to go in there and do that and facilitate that. And when you bring managers and when you bring employees to a child that may be in a detention center or a child that's aged out and they need your support, when you're sitting there painting with them and you're making a real human connection, that's what we call a connective human, yo, like, that's what we're here to do, you know what I mean, on this earth. Woo! That's what we're here to do. Yes, so. man, yes. I mean, what you guys are doing is, uh, yeah, man, you're doing the work of uh... – the universe, God's work, man, and you guys are really out there pounding the pavement. Your guys are based in Florida, but you've got team yep. in Texas. You got team in California. You're really serving the entire U.S., right? How does that look like? We are. We're looking. Yeah, we're looking for people up in the uh, Northeast now too. So uh, we're happy with all the inroads you we have out there in Cali. So that's good. And uh, now we're really looking for people kind of in the uh, the Northeast. You know what I mean? is where we want to go now so uh we're working on it man and really at the end of the day at the end of the day man it's really um for anybody that's listening uh, that may, might be an entrepreneur any of the parents that might be an entrepreneur that's listening is taking that passion and that heart-centered focus that you have and just really doing work with it and i want to let anybody know that's going through the entrepreneurship journey to keep going uh we're here for you reach out to us you know, Forrest is an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur, and we want to let you know how much we appreciate you because going through anything that's worthwhile, when it's it's a passion in your heart, uh, I think that's very important. And that's what connects us as humans. You know, we just want to give you guys a shout out because we haven't talked about our entrepreneurs yet, man. So mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, we're working, dude. It's it's fun. And you've, you've, been, on, you've been a big help. So we want to thank you after all these years. I can't believe it's been like, what, seven years, six or seven years. I know, man. Our, yeah. Our different collaborations that we've had. And it just keeps so. growing and growing and it gets more and more exciting as we go. Um, Bo, is there a question that I, sh that I maybe should have asked you that I didn't ask you? Or if, if not, is there any favorite quote or piece of philosophical takeaway that you want to leave our audience with today? Yeah, I think from a mindset perspective, really something that I've been on lately is, you know, we're constantly meeting ourselves over and over again, meaning when we're seeing the challenges that are in front of us. And if you're going through something that seems insurmountable, if you're facing another challenge that you've faced over and over again, I just want to let you know it's okay that you're not alone, that we continually meet ourselves over and over again through these challenges. And that is the re that to me that reintroduction process of like, okay, this is happening again. Maybe I'm getting too triggered with my teen, or maybe I can't take that next step in my business. That is there for you to grow, okay? That's there for you to grow. And I want you to know that, and I wanna let you know that Forrest is here for you, I'm here for you, but we're always meeting ourselves. We're meeting ourselves in hardship, 
and we're meeting ourselves in happiness and in joy and in love. And when we start looking and feeding ourselves with more love and more happiness and more grace and more compassion, those challenges will slowly start to fade and they'll turn into challenges that are uplifting. They'll turn into challenges that are amazing, like being an entrepreneur and serving others. For me, those are wonderful, uplifting challenges, no matter what we go through. So we want you to know that. We want you to know that you have the capability to turn these things that you might think are negative over time, turn those into something that's uplifting and full of love and compassion and grace and wisdom and patience. We want you to know that there is that path for you and we've been there and we're here for you. So that's really what I want to leave people with, man. It's like, let's not be so hard on ourselves as parents. Let's not be so hard on ourselves as business owners. Let's not be so hard on ourselves as friends, as brothers, as sisters. And let's just really look at life from a very sacred standpoint. And, you know, and when we're confronted with things that maybe, uh, maybe someone's being judgmental to us or maybe people aren't treating us right. We have to have a lot of compassion for where they are in their journey, because Forrest, as we know, if we're not treating people right on the outside, how do you think we're talking to ourselves on the inside? Oh, how do you really point. think we're talking to ourselves on the inside? So that's what I mean is let's give ourselves some compassion. Let's give ourselves some patience. And um, yeah, that's it. Thank you, Bo. How do people reach out and connect with you at Connective Human? Yeah, you can go to connectivehuman.com or my first name, Bo, B-E-A-U, at connectivehuman.com. We're here for you. Uh, and yeah. Cool. And I'll put that all in the show notes. And uh, also go check out their Facebook page. The Connective Human Facebook page has a lot of cool videos of the murals that they've painted and a lot of stuff with like Rasta out there painting on these murals. It's yeah. really cool. And uh, thank you, Bo. Thank you, the Connective Human team. Thank you for listening, audience. Thank you for liking and sharing. And, and please send this to somebody that you know that needs to hear this message today. And we out from the Parent Teen Mindset Show. Peace. See ya. Can you think of someone who really needs to hear this message right now? Great. Send them a link to this show. Sharing is caring. Also, go on to Facebook right now and search parents of awesome teens with anxiety, depression, or low self-esteem so you can gain access to our supportive community. Remember, it takes a village. Thanks for listening to the Parent Teen Mindset Show.